I really wish that our phone number was like 802-866-RUDE. It's the only four-letter word I could come up that was like associated with. Take a look at what the things yeah, are. Things are. Mm-hmm. So see all right. if it works. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. On this episode of Awesome Etiquette, it's our super special, incredibly awesome fantasy football show. We have guest fantasy football analyst and host of the Harris Football Podcast, Chris Harris, with us today to help us answer your etiquette questions, as well as give us some do's and don'ts of fantasy football league etiquette in our postscript segment. It's game time. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be a part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. Preseason started. Preseason started. (laughs) I'm so happy that we are back into football season, and I know that my darling cousin Dan is too. It is. It's a special time of year. And and when you live in Vermont and the coming of winter is a little bit scary and a little bit daunting, it's nice to have football to make it better. It is. It absolutely is. Do we do we need to do a little bit of apology to our fans out there who are not football? I think we, we do. We want to tell you that we are sorry. This is going <laughs> to be a fully football focused episode. Well, uh, we will get some etiquette questions in there also. There will be. There but it's all going to be, gonna be um, sandwich and a great big football sandwich with a healthy <laughs> dose of fantasy condiment sandwich. on the side. <laughs> I like it. I like it. We're go- we are going to be tailgating today. Indeed. All right. Well, we are thrilled to have fantasy football analyst Chris Harris with us today to help us answer some etiquette questions and talk about fantasy football etiquette. Uh, Chris, you know, are you uh, welcome to the show. We are so excited to have you. Hey, Lizzie and Dan, thank you very much for having me. It's going to be a blast. <laughs> Good. We, we like to hear that. Well, we've been looking forward to it, Dan, as you can probably tell. Yeah, and Dan's actually, he's won his Fantasy Football League a number of years in a row. Uh, two-time champion. I two-time got the trophies champ. on the mantle. You guys have trophies? <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you, Chris, do you guys have trophies for your leagues that you participate in? Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> One one league that we've been doing since uh, 1998, we have a great big trophy that we've actually run out of engraving space on it, so we had to like attach an extra plaque so you could get more team names drilled on it. Awesome! <laughs> it's like becoming like the Stanley Cup; it just keeps growing and growing. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I tell you, you just sort of touched on something that I was hoping we would we would get to at some point, which is uh, the league that I happen to belong in started when I was in high school. So no it, joke; it's been going on that long. Predate the internet pretty much Um, and we still get together in person to do our drafting we write out a big board on the wall that's a giant grid and we sit there and go up with magic markers and write our picks down scene from this is 40 yeah it is like a scene from this is 40 and people i mean we've watched families grow up in that that draft room it's it's a remarkable annual check-in i love it i love it chris what's your what's your personal fantasy football environment like what's what's your favorite one to participate in well, I have two leagues that I'm the commissioner of, and they're sort of both have gone beyond the standard, and they have some crazy arcane rules. I have one <laughs> league where 
We have uh, salary cap and player contracts and player holdouts and franchise tags and transition tags. And we basically threw everything that we could in there. What about endorsement deals? (laughs) It creates some fun, obsessive, compulsive behavior, let me tell you. Oh, Oh, man, to be a fly on that wall. Tough, tough job for the commish. Yes. Well, you know, I do what I can. I'm lobbying for the league to maybe pay me about what Roger Goodell makes in the NFL. (laughs) They haven't haven't quite. I have to be a working man still. They haven't quite uh, adhered to my wishes yet. Uh, Well, as as a fellow New Englander, I'm going to avoid the loaded uh, topic and ask what you think of our current commissioner and just say I'm sure that you're going to do your best to stay out of federal court. So far, so good. I have not yet been sued. However, I'm also going to keep this podcast away from our league mates because we don't want to... We don't want to play any ideas. <laughs> I don't blame you. Oh, man. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I am... I'm thrilled to get to some questions. Let's do it. Chris, are you willing to help us out with some both football-related and non-football-related etiquette questions? I'll do my best. I think we'll decide whether my mom raised me right. (laughs) Actually, that's really funny. I just got an email from a listener yesterday that said, the first thing I want to say about your podcast is that my mom was right. (laughs) I was like, you're kidding. That's the best comment I've gotten in forever. I loved it. Anyway, well, let's... Get on with some questions. Sure, you're right. There's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn, but it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others. On every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. And our first question is kind of a not-so-fantasy football question. Hi, Awesome Etiquette hosts. I'm responding to your call for sports etiquette questions. I'm a regular listener and genuinely love your kindness-based approach to so many complicated situations. My issue is this. I hate uh, Chris. I am so sorry to do this to you. I hate fantasy football and genuinely do not want to hear about it constantly. I have fielded a team in the past, but I don't follow the NFL, so I actually found the process tedious and unenjoyable. It seems like during what feels to me the six-month football season, just so football is like the shortest sports season of all, <laughs> is all anyone talks about at office lunches, happy hours, and even just in the office in general. It makes me feel very left out. And like I have nothing to contribute to the conversation. I have in the past tried to change the subject to something that we all have in common to no avail. Is there a non-confrontational way to suggest that those of us who don't play fantasy football don't want to hear about it all the time? I don't want to avoid these social events or huddle with the other people who don't play fantasy football since the season is rather long, but am open to any other suggestions. I am a huge college basketball fan and do occasionally watch Sports Center, so I'm happy to join in sports talk, but find the discussion of people's specific fantasy football leagues very isolating to the point of rudeness and now find myself dreading this time of year. Thanks. Best not-so-fantasy football fan. Oh. <laughs> I know. I know. Like but I said. <laughs> a great place to start this show. It is a good place to start this show. Because it's a real reminder for me. I don't know how you feel about this, Chris, but I, I this is one where I try to check myself at the door, um, particularly when I'm out and about in the world. And I try not to, to jump into this particular conversation too fast or, or too deep. How, how do you feel about it? Well, I agree with a lot of what the emailer said. I actually, so I have a podcast and have had for many years had a podcast where 
the feedback, the questions, you know, that I get on Twitter and via email are 95%. You know, I've got this guy and that guy and this guy, and I need to start this guy or that guy. Can you please, mm-hmm. on your show, answer my question? And, <laughs> and this is a fantasy football podcast, and I still avoid... Uh, trying to get too specific into any one person's team, because I think if it's not your team, you find it as boring as this emailer. It's just not that interesting to talk about somebody else's fantasy team. The way to get somebody out of talking about their fantasy team without being rude, it would seem to me maybe you could engage them on the level of just football in general, or maybe even just sports in general, maybe shift the conversation just a little bit. But I'm with you. I think you're dead on. It's boring when somebody says, you know, what their roster is. <laughs> and I, I like your staged approach to, to guiding the conversation away, that, that you don't necessarily say, oh, well, how about the opera? You, <laughs> you, you, you find some, some intermediate territory and you try to work yourself um, out, out of that particular column. It would seem to me that if you're willing to make the compromise, say, I'm not a huge football fan, but at least I acknowledge it is a large cultural phenomenon that, you know, does tend to dominate some of the landscape during the fall, then yeah. maybe I'll learn a few things to be conversant enough about the NFL, but maybe we could not talk about, you know, the running back that you just picked up off the waiver wire. But I also think there's a real reminder here for all of us super fans and mega fans, and it's why I think it's great to start the show <laughs> with this question. The thing you said right off the bat reminds me so much of something my grandfather used to say. He's like, uh, pets and grandkids. You've either, got, <laughs> you've either got your own or you don't, and <laughs> you don't want to hear about mine. <laughs> your pets or your grandkids. Totally. <laughs> well... I hope that that helps our listener to have some territory. She did say that she liked sports in general, and I think that that'll give you some topics to connect to. Like Dan said, you're not just jumping off to talk about the opera or, you know, something at a museum, but instead some common ground, but maybe not your specific fantasy team. Our next question is titled Chomp, Chomp, Chomp. I want to just say that our emailer titled the question that. That was not me. (laughs) I like it, and I like it a lot. I love this question. Our listener wants to know, Lizzie and Dan, and Chris today, thanks for taking the time to read my etiquette dilemma. I have always been sensitive to loud chewing and swallowing. While it's common to be unsettled by a noisy dinner mate who chews with their mouth open or speaks with a full mouth of food, I am particularly sensitive and make a solid effort to be prepared during mealtime as to not be peeved and get anxious, listening to music with dinner, eating at restaurants, or even watching a game on TV. Recently, my new roommate and I have taken to eating dinner together. Most of the time, we watch a new show or movie and chat about what we've done that day. Since he's new in our apartment, I'm slowly starting to notice his own dining etiquette, which includes a front seat view of his meal in his mouth as he eats, and some pretty noisy chomping and lip smacking. I feel rude asking him to chew with his mouth closed or even addressing it casually as an afterthought. How can I make sure that I'm not compromising my lack of comfort while sparing his feelings? Do I even say anything at all? Sincerely, would it be weird to wear earmuffs in August? I love, I love <laughs> that. Well, dear, would it be weird to wear earmuffs in August? Um, I It's dicey territory, but... Um... I wrote a really bad pun into this script. Uh, it made me laugh out loud Did when it really? I saw it. Yep. <laughs> Pick and choose your approach. <laughs> Sorry. So bad. <laughs> this is one of those where I almost put this in the territory of um, a gentle straight calling out that's to the point might work well here. Um, and, and an in the moment type thing. I have come across some people who have like deviated septum actually can't breathe through their nose or something like that and therefore wind up chewing with their mouth open or mm-hmm. or breathing a lot, smacking a lot during 
during eating, but it is it is incredibly disgusting. All the things that our listener has written in about make it exactly as unappealing and a major deal breaker. But I think that just the same way if you came home and maybe your roommate was like sitting naked on the counter, you'd straight say something like, dude, not cool. No, go put some clothes on um, and wipe down the counter. But I think I would say something to him and say, you know, could you chew with your mouth closed or dude, come on chew with your mouth closed. Like as if this is like as as commonplace as not letting the milk spoil or not sitting on the counter naked or <laughs> I don't know. That's how do, I don't know. What do you think, Dan? Do you think like it's like call him out? Do you call him out? Confessional. Confessional? <laughs> Cousin okay. Lizzie has called me out on this one. Freaking hate it. I can't stand the, it. The, the loud eating thing is something that, that really drives um, my cousin Lizzie crazy. Really? And sometimes you, you, even if you're successful keeping your mouth closed when you chew, maybe you make a little more noise than you'd want to. And boy, oh. if you want to test yourself, just try thinking about it while you're eating and not making noise because it'll make it worse. And use your cell phone. Record yourself sometime. Like So actually, I really appreciated. You did say something to really? me. Really? Yep. Okay. And, and it was similar. It was early on when I just started working at Emily Post. We had started to have lunch together occasionally and... I didn't feel offended by it. Quite the contrary. The way that you delivered that particular message, I took it as a little note to self. Do you remember how I did it? Pay extra attention. It was it was pretty similar to what you're describing here. <laughs> okay. But I also think you, you've got a, a talent for the call out <laughs> in some ways. And we often talk about whether or not you have standing to address someone else's behavior. And your analogy no here. no standing. <laughs> well, you kind of do with a new roommate who you're sharing space with. You're yeah. figuring each other out. And you're, you're not necessarily a couple, but you do have to make some accommodations for each other. And yeah. it sounds like the person writing this question, this is a particularly sensitive issue. Yeah. And it's important to make that known so that you equip your roommate to be a good roommate. And if you can do it in a way that's not fraught, if you can mention it in a way that might just bring someone's attention to it, hopefully in a helpful way, (laughs) I think that's a reasonable thing to do early in a relationship, particularly if you're enjoying this time with them and you don't want it to get in the way. Okay, so, Chris, I'm going to turn this to you now. What would your advice be to our listener if – Calling the roommate out wasn't an option. If if delivering that either in a humorous way or a gentle way or an authoritative way that wasn't uh, offensive just wasn't an option for this person, what what would you probably tell them to do instead? Move. Move. No, not really. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I think, first of all, there's a way to say it. I, I thought that the note itself was very willing to take part of the responsibility in that, you know, I acknowledge I am oversensitive to this. So part of the explanation, oh, if okay. you are able to call them out, you know, can just be something along the lines of, listen, this is this is also me. This is something that Good. I've struggled with my whole life, and you'd be really helping me out. I, I mean, I think that's kind of the way I would approach it. I love that approach. You're dangerously close to something my mother would recommend, which is a when you I feel statement. <laughs> that's that's a taking responsibility <laughs> when you're for gross, I feel. <laughs> your role. Um, and, and there's also a real genuine effort there to soften the, the message right. a little bit, which yeah. I think is it's important to take that other person's feelings into account because you are bringing up right. something that's pretty personal. So if I could, if I, if that wasn't an option, if I just didn't feel comfortable, well, boy, it sounded like that person had already tried things like, you know, audio distractions and <laughs> know, right? video distractions and, uh, <laughs> you know, eating in crowded restaurants and things like that. And I guess more of that, because in the end, what this comes down to is your own fixation on something that I agree isn't very nice and I try to be conscious of it, but 
you know, it isn't a, doing you bodily harm. And so techniques, I guess, to manage how much attention it draws from you. I dig it. I did. I think those are good answers. The only last one I would add to anything is that I had a roommate that this was going on with at one point. I'm going to not say which one of them it was. <laughs> but this was happening, and, and I wasn't at a place where I felt that I could call this person out on it. So I started just not eating together as much. It was just kind of one of those things where I was like, you know – avoidance right now is what's going to work for me. We've got only a couple more months of living together, so this isn't kind of going to be a lots of love lost on the dinner table circuit. So Sometimes discretion is the better part of valor. There you go. Or listener, we hope that that gives you some choices and some options based on your comfort level with confrontation and how you feel you can deliver it or with just stating your own needs in your own home. And hopefully you will have many more peaceful dining experiences. Our next question is one that I think many of us have found ourselves in, and um, it's a tricky, sticky answer, I think. Uninvited, it's titled. I need help. An out-of-town friend asked to stay for two nights prior to her cousin's wedding in my hometown. I reluctantly agreed. I can see the error of my ways and am in need to explain to her that I will no longer be able to fulfill my acceptance. I want to be fair and kind to her, but also be kind to myself. Thank you, Marianne. Oh, Marianne. <laughs> Chris, this is one where I see a couple clear points of etiquette here, but I'm curious. What's your first take right off the bat? Move. But that's my first take. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Uh, you know, my first take is the first thing you have to do is be comfortable yourself. And if what's going to make you comfortable is not having them stay, then that's the outcome you need. And so you're not negotiating off of that point, and now it becomes coming up with the solution that fits that need. And uh, if that solution is alienating somebody who's an out-of-town friend, if, if it has to come to that, probably I think it sounds like for this mailer that's more important than suffering through something that you don't think you can. Well, that's a good point, self-protection. Well, and I, I, I like the way that you're approaching it as a process. You're saying, what are my hard limits here? And yeah. it's in some ways, I, I don't read what the hard limit is in this question. The offer was made or was reluctantly agreed to. So there's two points of etiquette that I see at play here. One is rescinding an invitation, which is often mm. tricky. And the other is doing things in as quick and timely a manner as possible <laughs> when you need to make important communications. So yeah. if we go back to your point of what's your hard line here, if you cannot have this person over for whatever reasons, if it's yeah. something else has come up or – um, maybe it is something that's personal, um, yeah. emotional, something that you don't necessarily want to explain that isn't about an outside commitment but really matters to you. Yeah. I think that you need to get in touch with this person as soon as possible. You can't avoid the situation. Yeah. You have to let them know conditions on the ground have changed. I can't have you over for those two days. Apologize profusely. I'm so sorry that I have to rescind this the invitation. offer or the invitation. Yeah. Offer suggestions of other places to stay. Exactly. And only because the offer's been made at this yeah. point. So there's that extra care that needs to be taken to step back from it. But you also don't ever need to agree in the first place Bingo. to take someone to your home. Yeah. And you can be really clear about that. Also, you don't need to feel pressured to open up your home to other people just because they're in that particular situation, I, I say in need very broadly here because it's good to help people who are in need. But Dan, can I come stay up on the mountain for the weekend? 
And Dan's not sure what his answer wants to be. He's not sure what Pooja wants the answer to be. So he says, let me think about it for a minute, check the schedules, and get back to you. That's your best friend of a line. Anytime someone asks for something where they're going to be kind of coming into your space, you can always say, you know, give me a minute to think about that. Let me just double check that that it'll all be okay, that I don't have something going on. It just gives you that moment of pause. But I'm a little like, I think you got to have really good reason to uninvite somebody. I think it's got to be more than just I'm not comfortable with it anymore. I think really think about how you can structure the time. Um, A lot of times when people come in and they're not coming to uh, have a visit with you, they're coming for another event and just kind of crashing at your place rather than staying at a hotel. It's actually a lot easier for you to not have to be a host. You're doing them a favor. You're not there to spend time together. My vote is try not to go the route of uninviting this person, especially depending on how close to the wedding we are and how hard it is going to be for them to rearrange their travel plans. But instead, I would make up the beds. I would put out, you know, the cereals. I would do all those kind of good host things. But I would say, I'm happy, you know, happy that you're here. Happy I could lend a place for you to stay. I'm not going to be around too, too much, or I've got these things going on, so I'll kind of be in and out. But, you know, here's my cell. Call me if you need anything. Here's the Internet connection, like all that stuff. Um, I think this falls into more of the crash crash territory rather than invited guests. Let's spend a lot of time together. Marianne, we hope that that helps, and we hope you have a very positive solution to this upcoming weekend. And um, hopefully you and your guests are both going to feel comfortable. Our next question has to do with hiccups. And I'll confess that I got about halfway through this question. I started to think about all of the things that I do to prevent hiccups. And then I read the end of the question. This question begins, hi, Lizzie and Dan. I have a question about pet peeves and hiccups. I have chronic hiccups, meaning I've had hiccups pretty consistently for the past 12 years or so. Wow. Sometimes they're a few seconds apart, like a normal bout, and sometimes I can have 10 to 20 minutes between each one. For the most part, I don't think they're too obtrusive. I often find myself in situations where I'm talking with a group of people I don't know very well. Invariably, I will hiccup, say something like, excuse me, I have chronic hiccups as explanation, and one of two things will happen. Either someone will ask, I've never known what to say when someone hiccups, which is an interesting question, or they will suggest their hiccup remedy that always works for them and that, without fail, starts a whole conversation where everyone is suggesting their own remedy and asking (laughs) if I've tried it yet. My absolute biggest pet peeve is hiccup remedies. It makes me feel talked down to and grumpy. (laughs) If I've had them for this long, eating a spoonful of peanut butter backwards while singing is not going to stop them. And sometimes they absolutely insist that I try X, Y, or Z. I've been forced into performing the upside-down water-drinking trick during a white tie event. Frankly, it's embarrassing. So my question is this. What do I say in these situations to nip the conversation in the bud? I don't want to be rude and cut people off, but once one suggestion is made, they just keep coming. I know these people are being nice and trying to relate and make conversation. Do I just have to grin and bear it and change the conversation as quickly as I can politely? Also, what do you say to someone after they hiccup? Gesundheit? All the best. Lily. Man, this is one of those where I feel for you because I I feel like there are various aspects of my life where when you bring it up, people automatically say, oh, have you tried this? Have you tried that? And you're like going, I've. I am the one living in the situation. Yeah. And you know that they're well-intentioned and well-meaning, but you're a little just fed up with the constant suggestions. It's like, uh, for me at various points, it's been like weight loss or an injury or dating and those kinds of things. And you're just like, I 
got it covered. Maybe I shouldn't bring it up at all. I don't know. But it's a hiccup. And you're going to be hiccuping in front of these people. Like you said, if they're coming quickly, it's going to be frequent and it's just going to be a part of the conversation that they're going to have to absorb as you get your, you know, as you talk with the person. Mm. So I think you're doing the right thing by acknowledging it. And then I would also say, it's okay. My, maybe I would say something like, my doctor and I are trying to figure things out, but thanks for the suggestions. Exactly. I was like, thinking about just that. Just kind of um, reminding them that like professional is at the level that I'm at now, not like peanut butter singing backwards song. Actually, I liked your version. I was thinking a, a quick acknowledgement. This is a chronic condition. The home remedies. Trust me, I've tried everything. I've tried the home remedies. <laughs> Chris, what would you do? Move. <laughs> well, probably not. Uh, you know, it is uh, something that I think is really common, you know, it's become so ingrained into the culture, you know, this, this volunteering to solve problems that you didn't ask to be solved. Right. And, you know, I think commiseration is is a far more <laughs> acceptable and, you know, sort of polite way to deal with the idea that you're having this thing that you're, you know, you've had for a long time and you're kind of embarrassed about it. When people kind of offer you advice that was unasked for, I think it's okay to sort of stand up for yourself in a nice way and say, I got it covered or, you know, my... I'm I'm working on it with a doctor or something like that. I I, I wouldn't want to just grin and bear it and think, well, the problem is me. You know, the it seems to me that when people start in with the unsolicited advice, it it really kind of does belittle one a little bit. Well, you bring up such a good point. It's a, it. it's a classic point of etiquette too that the <laughs> Lizzie doesn't like it when I say it, but the most dangerous vice is advice. I hate that phrase. And <laughs> and it's certainly it's phrase, true, though. but I, and I'm also reminded of it in relationships. Sometimes mm-hmm. Pooja, my wife, will be telling me about a problem she's having. She doesn't want me to solve it. She, she doesn't want me to to, to, yeah. to give her answers or what I would do. She just wants to share what she's going through, what she's experiencing, and yeah. it's a different version of what you're talking about. But it's it's a really important part of being a good communicator is is not always trying to give advice and solve other people's problems. Absolutely. Although it, it feels um, it can feel like it's the important and right thing to do in the moment. But as far okay. as what do you say to someone after oh, they yeah, hiccup? Oh, the second question. It's um, not Gesundheit. It's, no. And it's not bless you. And we talked about bless you on a recent show. We did. And it's not salute. It's not good health. Maybe you I just think for acknowledge fans, it. It's, you're so good looking. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime anybody brings up Seinfeld, all I can think of is the hello, the belly button does the talking. I don't know. I'm not sure that after someone hiccups, they say, excuse me, and maybe you say no worries or. I, I think that if you hiccup, you say, excuse me, but yeah. I don't think I would say excuse you to no, someone else. No, I wouldn't else. say that to anybody else. I would. I think when there are some times where I just don't think excuse me has to be acknowledged with a follow up. Like, yes, you're excused or, you know. Like I just said, no worries or you're good. Anything like so I think you can just let it hang out there. Yeah. I, I don't think there's a, a usual response. <laughs> and as we've learned from this question, it is definitely not to offer a remedy. Lily, we do hope that that helps. And hopefully one day you will be cured of your chronic hiccups. And until then, we hope that most people listen to this podcast and they leave you alone. No remedies needed. You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. 
What do you know? Well, that's the end of our questions for today. Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. And remember, we love updates. If we answered your question on the show or if you have a comment about one of our questions, feel free to send it in. You can also submit your question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave a message for us on our answering machine at 802-866-0860 or send it in via Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so we know you want it on the show. Today's postscript, we're going to invite Chris Harris, our extra special fantasy football guest who has over eight years of experience at ESPN, is a six-time fantasy football award-winning writer and hosts a daily podcast on the subject is really um, the, the type of outside expert that we want to look at the, the nooks and crannies of this particular subject as our <laughs> the first— The etiquette of it, man. The etiquette of it. As our first questioner noticed, it's a big deal in our world. It's it a, a, a big part of our social currency today. And whether you choose to participate or not, um, it's definitely worth knowing a little something about. So, Chris, thank you so much for, for being with us today. I, I want to turn the section over to you to get us started just a little bit. What do you think are some of the biggest points of, of etiquette having to do with fantasy football? I try to approach the perspective from maybe a beginner's perspective, you know, entering into this world and not knowing the norms and not knowing what might, you know, be bothersome to people or maybe even offensive to people. Um, And so just a few really easy things that I think you can do to avoid those touchstones. Uh, The first would be just be a little bit prepared when you are going to do your fantasy football draft, which doesn't mean... (laughs) become an analyst like me. That doesn't mean, you know, stay on top of the news every single day. It just means maybe buy a magazine before you go into your draft or go to my website at harrisfootball.com and look for ranks there. But basically, if you're prepared and you enter the room, you're just, you are going to be more comfortable. You're going to project that you're okay being there and nobody needs to really take care of you. And most importantly, that, you know, during the draft, as you're selecting players, you won't make everyone wait because oh, that really right. becomes one right. of the more onerous things in a room when, when somebody hunches over their table or their computer or something and says, okay, one more minute. Okay, no, hold on, one more minute. <laughs> yeah. So come and, in with uh, the idea of having like a an order of picks so that so that you kind of know who you'd be picking first, and if you if your first pick gets picked by someone else, okay, who's your second, third, fourth, fifth choice, depending right. on the number of people in the league? Exactly, okay. and that brings up my second point, which is keep track of who has been Things taken. Off. You have a list, start crossing off names. This is what the board is for. <laughs> that's the number one thing that people will mock you for, and people will groan, and you know it'll cause a big uproar. Is you know Tom Brady has been selected already, and then a half an hour later you say, I can't believe nobody's taking this guy, Tom Brady. You'll be hooted down. Side question uh, for you. Do you ever just forfeit the pick in any of your leagues when you make that mistake? (laughs) No, but uh, they would probably wish they had. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're kind to. We let them take it back, but with a, a good deal of ribbing. That's right. Another thing is, you know, maybe you're a little bit more of an intermediate or expert player. Don't comment on picks, especially negatively. There's a lot of disappointment that somebody went or you're trying to dissuade somebody from a strategy. I just say basically keep it to yourself. If you genuinely think that somebody is doing a poor job, 
the harsh reality is that's to your benefit. Let them keep going. Because if somebody is, performs poorly in fantasy, that means somebody else is going to perform well. Sink uh, or swim, I like thing it. I think you can do in a draft room is throw out, like, misinformation. And that happens a lot. You know, someone mm-hmm. will say, oh, I heard he tore his ACL today. And oh, that that's not, so mean. Yeah, may not be true. Uh, and sort of, you know, can shy, make someone shy away from the player that they wanted to draft or their strategy or whatever. Just basically be a good person. Dan, does Cousin Will ever do that to you? Does he ever try to throw you off? No. There's no, like, brother rivalry on who's won years past, and so he starts oh, trying to... No, there's brotherly rivalry, but um, the heart of good etiquette being the honesty. He's... <laughs> yeah, no, that, that this would be really frowned upon, that Nobody kind of does uh, that. deceit okay. or disinformation. Just check it, just check it. <laughs> and, and, you know, beer is fun. You know, I like beer, people like beer. People do but like beer. beer in extreme is not your friend at these things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the one you drink rule, right? You got the charming. business approach um, to the uh, I'm going to go ahead and say you're slowing the whole darn thing down. Chris, in our business etiquette seminars, we talk about the one drink rule. We often get asked by corporations and, and people in the business world, you know, sh- what do you do when someone orders a bottle of wine for the table or they do this or that? And our, our advice is, you know, either abstain or have one drink. And I love the fact that this this is carrying over to fantasy football leagues, too. <laughs> sure. And it's, I mean, you know, most people are, are partaking, but it, and it's fine to partake. And these things take a while. I mean, you have to sit in there for three or four hours. Wow. You know, pace yourself and, you know, you're just, you're not as funny and charming as you think you are. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're planning to be there three, four hours, what are your thoughts on the food? Do you bring food? Yeah, I would say if it's if somebody is hosting, the de facto position for me would be I'm bringing something. It might be beer, but I'm certainly going to bring something. And usually my friends are organized enough that they kind of know who needs to bring what, that kind of thing. They, yeah. they assign them. But I think, yeah, I think the de facto is I'm going to be in your house for a good long while. I probably don't need to be raiding your refrigerator as well. Show up with something and maybe even something to share. Potluck, yeah. I like it. I like it. So, Chris, I I personally am always drafting in person with friends. I've never done it online. I'm really curious. What are the points of etiquette for for the online drafting process? Well, anything online, obviously, is somewhat less complicated and yet can be a little bit more fraught. Some of the things that we've talked about as far as, you know, being accidentally selecting somebody who's already been taken. Well, in an online draft room, that's automatically handled. So that's not really sure. possible for you to do. And there, you know, in an online draft room, it's timed. So you're not going to have an infinite amount of time to make your pick anyway. The place where you're sort of most exposed is all of them come with a little chat window. And it's the place where the trash talking takes place. That's the main interaction you're having with your fellow owners. You know, I think the same rules of interaction apply. Don't throw out information that's wrong. Don't tease what you think has been a bad pick. I, I think the one thing you could say is, as for beer, it's probably less of a problem. <laughs> slow the draft down. But I, I like to say, in fantasy football online draft rooms, nobody can tell you're drunk until you select Geno Smith. Oh, Zang. Oh, burn. <laughs> So, so you brought up something there that I think that might be a, a, a nice way to transition. I, I I love talking draft etiquette. It's a big day for, for the league and for people early in the fall. Ours is Labor Day weekend. But then as the season goes on, you mentioned trash talking. And this was something that I, I learned early on when I joined the league that I'm in currently that people were nice to me at first. And then as the years went by, they got progressively meaner and meaner. 
And it, it occurred to me that I was really in the club. I'd been accepted when <laughs> when the trash talking got to the point where it was really rough. They it was insulting. <laughs> it was mean. And it was a, a mark of how in you were in that particular social scene, how mean people felt comfortable being to you. But there was an awareness that that meanness, frankly, you had to establish a relationship before you could get away with it. And it was sort of counterintuitive to me that, oh, the closer you are to these people, the the, not just rude, meaner (laughs) they were. Really? Yeah. Dang. Um, What are your thoughts on that? I'm curious. Well, I definitely think that's a social phenomenon, right? I mean, nobody is hard on you as your family. And uh, and then the circles of how well you know people radiate out and, you know, politeness takes hold, as it probably should. Uh, I think I've reached a point where I don't particularly need to generate jollies that way, so I guess I can't relate. But I think it's completely common, and it's fine. It just feels to me like... Uh, you know, as long as people are local, I'd rather sort of get together in person. It's a lot easier to be unbelievably vicious on a, you know, fantasy football chat board than it is sitting in someone's living room with their wife in the kitchen and, you know, eating their food yeah, on, right. on, a, on a football Sunday. It's a good reminder. It, it It is harder to assess how something is landing when it's just words on a screen. You don't have the, the person's reactions to help judge and moderate. Yeah. Does most of the razzing you get come in from from text messages and stuff, or is it in person when y'all are, like, watching a game? In person, but then there is an online forum now for the league, so I definitely see it. I've been out with some of my friends who participate in leagues, and their phones just don't stop blowing up Mm -hmm. during the game because it's like, oh, you had that guy, look what just happened. And you just, I mean, it's just the bad mouthing smack talking whatever you want to call it it's it's like it's non-stop yeah. no and and uh, put me with in chris's camp a little bit i'm a terrible trash talker it's just not yeah, in no, me you are really it's not, it's good not my this. spirit it's no. not my uh in my nature so so much i always felt good when people were were mean to me i was like oh sweet i'm in like i'm getting i'm getting rashed like, but... i can't give it back to you but bring it on exactly <laughs> One point of etiquette that kind of transcends that, that I think is really interesting once the season gets going, is the trading. There's this whole system by which you can exchange players that you quote-unquote own, which obviously is silly already. I mean, we're talking about fantasy football. It's all pretty silly. But, you know, you you are constantly in this process of approaching other team owners with trade offers and also having them come back to you. And boy, it can be frustrating to get the trade offer that says, I'll give you three used footballs (laughs) and a dinner for your starting running backs and Tom Brady. Uh, The etiquette when it comes to trading is, you know, you can try to win a trade. Try to make it at least palatable. Don't be ridiculous. Yeah kind of just bothersome to field these offers that there's absolutely no way anybody expects you to accept it. Agreed. I feel like insulting could be another word for that. It could just be ins- like, don't insult me with that offer. Like, yeah, no, come and, on. And, and play like you mean it. I'll tell yeah. you, a- another one that I was thinking about is there might be a point in the season where you're no longer in the hunt and yeah. th- that you're willing to stay engaged, at least engaged enough that you've got a current roster on the board and that sort of this plays into the continue to participate in a reasonable way. Because there are other people for whom h- how whether or not you show up for a game matters for their standings. And um, I was thinking about the tendency sometimes for people to disengage once it stops mattering so much for them. But there's a certain 
degree of participation um, for the sake of the league that I think yeah. is worth expecting even in those last few games of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll take it one step further. Sometimes people get bitter and decide they're going to trade all their good players away to their friend and yep. help their friend to win you know, in a way that is not in the best interest of the league. And that's sort of even one step beyond the pale where, mm-hmm. you know, those are people probably I don't even want to be in a league with, but it's certainly not something, you know, a thought that you really even want to entertain. So going down that, that vein of one step beyond, what would be like the final straw, the last step, the, the one thing that you would say when it comes to fantasy football leagues that's just plain wrong to do? I think I hit it. I didn't realize I was hitting it, but I think I think any form of teaming up, right, and okay. um, deciding that, you know, instead of each person is going to have their own squad, mm-hmm. you know, secretly we have an alliance where, you know, I'm now funneling mm-hmm. the best chance to win to you, and somehow then we're going to split the jelly beans at the end of the season. That's really the, the point at which... Beans. A good commissioner needs to step in and not allow it to happen, but more often I just would say I don't. Next year, maybe you just ask someone else. <laughs> Chris, I think that's a really smart answer, and, and it is. That, that is beyond the pale behavior. The particular type of trash talking that I got when I knew I was in was people accusing me of colluding with my brother because I got abused in a trade. And it was a trade that he proposed, and I kid you not, from the delivery room (laughs) with his pregnant wife. And the accusation was that he took advantage of me in a vulnerable moment and and got me to agree to a trade that I never should have agreed to. At the time, I was receiver rich. I needed the quarterback. It was. It turned out to be just a horrible trade. But there wasn't any collusion. But the the accusations of it throughout the season were intended to be beyond the pale accusations. And... um, Anyway, uh, just by way of acknowledgement, I think I think that you're onto something there. That kind of deceit is really beyond the pale. Well, Chris, um, I know I could keep talking football all day, and I know Lizzie would love to do that. I can also. keep listening. <laughs> um, and and you and I are going to have to do our work to get her involved in a league at some point here in the future. Oh, definitely um, next season. <laughs> but for now, um, we'd love to turn over the etiquette salute today to you. Would you mind taking us out? Yeah, I had the idea that I thought something in football that's happened here the past month or so has uh, sort of been handled well, as opposed to maybe some things we could point to that haven't been handled all that well. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals hired the first female coach in NFL history, as far as anyone can tell. Bravo. And it's a, a coaching intern during training camp, but it's somebody who's qualified, and it's somebody who, you know, by all measures, has a lot of experience and knows the game well. And uh, her name is Jen Welter, and the head coach is uh, Bruce Arians uh, of the Arizona Cardinals. And I'll just read you his quote because it feels to me like the sort of generous thing and precedent-setting kind of thing that I'd like to hear. His quote is, Coaching is nothing more than teaching. One thing I've learned from players is, how are you going to make me better? If you can make me better, I don't care if you're the Green Hornet, man. I'll listen. I really believe she'll have a great opportunity with this internship through training camp to open some doors for her. I think it's just a reminder that there are still some ridiculous artificial walls. And, you know, I think statements like that, you know, alert maybe the less progressive among us that we're just doing a job here. Absolutely. And we can all talk and understand football. So I love it. I thought that was a great it was such a great example of, you know, one of the founding principles of our etiquette, which is respect. And that is that it doesn't matter what sexual orientation you are. It doesn't matter what 
female, gender, male, age, gender. That's race. what I was looking for, not sexual <laughs> orientation. But sexual orientation, that's been a big topic in the football world, too. Um, but race, creed, socioeconomic status, it doesn't matter if you can play the game, if you can understand the game. If, if you're someone who's going to add value to the game, your place is to be a part of the game. And I love it. I love it. Chris, thank you so much for participating in our fantasy football show today. We, we could not have done this without you. Oh, thanks, Lizzie and Dan. It was really a pleasure. I had a great time. <laughs> That's our show for today. A huge thank you to our guest, Chris Harris. We hope you have a killer fantasy football season. And if you'd like your fantasy football season to be killer, too, check out Chris's podcast, The Harris Football Podcast, on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And you can connect with Chris on Twitter. He is at Harris Football. As always, thank you for listening and spending some of your day with us. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. And don't forget, there's no show without you. So send us your questions, your etiquette salutes, and your suggestions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. If you like what you hear, don't be shy. Tweet it, Facebook post it, and of course, you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. On Facebook, we're the Emily Post Institute, as well as Awesome Etiquette. And on Twitter, I'm at Lizzie A. Post. And I'm at Daniel underscore Post. Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner, and our show is produced by Hans Buto. Well, now, uh, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. Because I'm coming back. I say I'm coming back.